Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to have Heather Mitchell on the show, founder of NOM, a sustainable food app that allows consumers to value climate impact alongside nutritional value, as well as valuing climate impact. NOM hosts a sustainable recipe portal to assist the transition into greener eating. Heather, Welcome again to the show. Would you like to introduce yourself and share a bit more about your business? Yeah, thank you for having me as well. Of course, my name is Heather and yeah, I'm the founder of NOM. I like to say that we provide climate impact labels across the food industry, but you're completely right. Of course, we do also offer that climate impact information easily accessible like at home as well through our app. I guess our USP is the fact that all our labels are digital, which for us just breaks down again another barrier because of course it's a long process to get things like labels necessarily printed into marketing on brands and things like that so this way we offer those food companies to host those labels on our app and then their customers can then become our users and access it really easily so yeah we founded it last october now and we're currently in beta testing so we're just over a year old but yeah it's going well congratulations and since uh, launching last october what's been your favorite moment so far you know, as a startup, it's interesting that your whole thing is for people who can't afford lawyers. That's definitely us and me. I think, of course, we have so many people helping me. We launched with Store Better Food. So we launched our labels into their grocery stores. And we went to a really nice launch event where I actually was able to, for the first time, just take a step back and see my team members actually explaining it to customers and just chatting about it. And of course, you had that weird, like, disassociation moment where you're like, oh, this is nice to see people interacting and I'm just watching it happen. And it makes you feel a bit like, oh, maybe I actually did something. It actually came into fruition. So yeah, definitely. That was probably one of my favorite moments, just actually watching people be like, oh, what's this about? And I was like, oh, I love that. There's just genuine interest in it, you know? I can definitely relate to seeing users or people interact with your product. It's always a special moment. Also, because you don't know how they will react. And when you see it, they react positively. Yeah. It's quite a nice feeling. And so you mentioned grocery stores. Do you partner with them? How do you get those labels out there and, and uh, into the hands of consumers? Yeah, so of course, it's, we work over a variety um, of different businesses across the food industry. So for this store, for example, they are organic grocers um, they've got four or five stores across southwest and um, they also have cafes and they wanted to work with us because they know their production line so closely which of course enables us to get more finite results for them so they have cafes in their stores and they asked us to develop low impact recipes for for their cafe and for them to share with their um, customers at home because they offer things like food pickup boxes and recipe boxes. So we developed that low climate impact menu for them and provided those labels as well. Um, just because naturally when we work with people, they also want to have something low climate impact to show off, which is great because it's additional value as well for us to offer them. And since you've been at this for almost a year, what do you wish you'd known before starting? To be honest with you, one of the main things I always say is that when I was first starting, because I studied politics, I didn't have a business background, went into environmental policy um, and then decided that this was a passion. But of course, I was freshly out of uni, didn't really have any kind of specific network of business people and didn't know anything about the startup world. And I found that a lot of founders were not entirely open about actually that it is really difficult and at the start you don't have any money and you have to build a network from scratch and I found that a lot of people who had already raised money or something were not 
giving me the full story from when they first started, from those days where you're sat being like, how can I get around um, these obstacles? So I think that I wish I would have known that like everybody has found it incredibly hard who's founded a company and people sometimes act along the line that it's um, just all happened but it didn't so if you're somebody out there thinking of starting something you're not the only one definitely everybody we've all gone through those moments where it's like how the hell am I going to make this work and a lot of us have come out the other side. Yeah I, I think startups are definitely much harder than they sound and I also feel though that if as an entrepreneur if before becoming an entrepreneur if you really appreciated how hard things would be then there would be less entrepreneurs maybe it's a good thing that that we don't know the full story before jumping on board you've been around for one year what's the the plan for the next three five years the plan is to keep collaborating we've got um some really exciting partnerships and trials of course the food industry is a huge industry which is really good for us we also want to get into that educational sector as well a lot of what we do and the reason why we show um, metrics that go beyond carbon is what I always say is mainly to try and penetrate those areas of society and people who a lot of the time goes over people's heads and they're not even really sure how to relate to that and so what we're really trying to do is break down those measurements to actually connect with people in their language so a lot of people connect with the climate and environmentalism because they're really interested in deforestation or they're really interested in looking at freshwater usage and things like that I find that combining it all into one metric is missing that engagement with people you're missing that engagement touch point so I guess yeah going into that educational side of things as well we want to become that trusted source of climate impact information for the food industry that's the goal and, and how do you engage with those communities where maybe a certain lifestyle or a certain way of eating goes against what you're measuring and tracking? Or how would you go about it if you haven't got there yet? Yeah, I think that's why So we're trying to do trials in different educational centres. So we're trying to target a lot of younger people as well, like in around the school age and around in schooling resources and stuff. Because I do feel that if education is the start point, isn't it, to actually getting engaged in certain things like climate change. But I also think just in my personal network anyway, I don't have a background of necessarily climate or scientific networking so for me it's a lot of the people that we're trying and testing and speaking to and just continually having conversations with people who are outside of that climate bubble or outside of the startup bubble because I think when you work in it every day and you use words like green tech prop tech ed tech and it's so normal because we talk about it every day but most people yeah are a bit like what's that so I think just ensuring that our beta testing and stuff is incorporating lots of different groups of people because in order to fight against climate change we can't just have the people who already know about it we need to branch out into other groups as well so collaboration is the one way that we want to do that we're looking for a diverse range of partnerships that aren't necessarily just centered around specifically food just partnering with people to get that message across and in terms of beta testing how far are your tests going or what are the next steps for perhaps national rollout or, or rollout in more stores and, and groceries? Yeah, so we released beta about two weeks ago. So what we're really doing in a minute, you know, we're testing the delivery of communication. So whether an app is the best way to deliver those labels, those, that data information. And so we're testing it out from a specific area, but then also testing out 
the emotional reaction to the labels. So within that, we're trying to do these trials in the new year. We want to roll out with a few other stores and restaurants that we're, we're speaking to. So we want to kind of branch out across the UK because we started this business in Bristol. So the minute Southwest is where we have established ourselves. I've recently moved to London in a hope to bring that into London because I think it's such a great space for it as well. And then, yeah, the plan is to kind of branch out throughout the UK. That's what we've been focusing on. But now I've got a bit more space to, to yeah, look at acquiring new partnerships and businesses that I can't talk about. Yeah, good luck. Thank so you. as a founder of a um, new company and, a, and with a beta product, what are the key contracts that you interact with the most frequently? To be honest with you, terms of service contracts with the companies that we have sold the service to, um, that was something interesting to navigate. And then, of course, because we're a startup, naturally you're not taking people on straight away for salary and things like that. So I very much had to navigate myself around allotment of shares and and equity-based contracts is something that I, of course, hadn't had a lot of experience in before. Not necessarily contracts, but even things from applying to trademarks and looking at patents and all this stuff is a bit of a minefield if you don't have a legal background. Yeah, protecting your intellectual property as a founder is key, especially in the early stages. Yeah. It's pretty much the whole value of the business is tied to that. That's key. And and so with those contracts, how did you navigate that map? Did someone help you or, or did you have a mentor or did you know a solicitor? How did you navigate that? Of course, everybody will say see legals, which are great. And they, they do offer some great resources and stuff, but it's still an upfront £350, £400 payment for that service. Like I've been working a job the whole time I was starting a business. It was a little bit like, oh, maybe I could try to get some help elsewhere. I'm on a few accelerator courses. So they always help a lot with things like resources. They've got a big bank of things like that. And then I had a mentor help me who put me in contact with a solicitor who didn't work completely solely on it. They would just advise you on what they suggest you should do, but everybody is very vague. So I ended up talking to another startup that I knew and I got some of their templates for a similar company. Still, there's always a niggle in the back of my head that makes me like worried. Have I missed something out? There's only so much you can really truly understand without paying sometimes I ask for a solicitor to go through it all but yeah as, you, as the, your whole business is solving it's extortionate and it's not always what you've got time to do yeah I, I think especially when it comes to templates or when it comes to borrowing templates from other sources it is very difficult to know the full history of that template or why certain clauses removed or why were certain clauses inserted and, and that's definitely something at legislate that we try to do is ask questions to the user in terms of what it is that they're trying to create, whether it's an employment contract, consultancy agreement, or any other form of agreement. And then we will tailor an agreement based off those answers so that every single time the contract is bespoke to your requirements and our legal team ensure that all the terms are up to date so that you don't need to worry about having an out-of-date clause. But I can definitely relate with the journey, especially in the early days. <laughs> yeah, and I think the whole trademark patent stuff is just another ball, a whole another ball game. And it's infuriating. I'm more than capable person, very intelligent, all this stuff that I would be happy and confident to say, but I have zero knowledge about a lot of things like that. And it's almost, you only know what you know at the end of the day, unless you've studied it. There's always going to be little things that can catch you out. And yeah, I guess it's a bit stressful when you're just trying to rely on 
hopefully having friends who <laughs> know a little bit more than that or brothers or sisters that have gone into that kind of business. For sure. We secured a patent in the US for our approach to modeling contracts. But really, one of the key reasons we were able to do that is because our chief legal officer, who's a qualified solicitor, is also a um, qualified patent attorney in the US. And so she definitely helped us navigate. And, and it also has helped us, even from a strategic perspective, why did we apply in the US first? It's because they have a accelerated program, which gets you a review in one year. And then you can, with the international patent treaties, obtain patents in all the other jurisdictions. And because you've got that precedence in the US, it should, in theory, make it a bit easier. That's a really good, good strategy. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm conscious that we've already taken a lot of your time. So I'm going to ask the closing question we ask all our guests. So if you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? What would impress me? I guess we're quite time poor individuals. I definitely like an electronic signing device is always very good. I very much want the main features highlighted when I get on the contract because there's always whatever contract you're being sent, depending on the person, there's always a good five or six key places that I want to be looking first and I want to make sure that because that's deemed as the most important maybe for that specific relationship or contract and they're the things I would so I don't know I guess more of a digital um way to like skip and and scroll and just quickly get to where I'm needing to look at first and then of course just being able to sign it quickly and then almost like just any signatures type of way that's just using tech to make that process super smooth and maybe even a little bio about the contract I'm always googling the name of a contract just thinking I've never heard of it like that way before I've never heard of that specific contract within that arena so maybe even your service could offer like a little quick definition of what this contract is before you actually go into it but this is just a few ideas off the top of my head. I think the buyer of the contract is definitely something right now that we show the creation of the contract before they create it, but it's not something that we've thought of giving to the person on the other side until they actually complete. So we yeah. do follow up when the contract's completed with a buyer, but you know, that's a good point. And on, on the other aspects that you mentioned around presenting contract terms and highlighting the important ones from the beginning, that's something that we do. And, and we're also in, in the process of introducing a visual representation of concepts which are, you know, present in the contract, but not explicitly. So things like responsibilities and obligations, those are terms which require some form of interpretation and by the, the person reading it. And so we're surfacing them, you know, in a visual form to hopefully improve you know, general understandings of contracts and, and, and make the whole experience. Yeah. I think that's good because I would honestly say that most founders you'll find aren't like initially or even throughout you know everybody we're all learning because yes we're um very confident and assured in our own industry but that doesn't mean that we are in the entire startup um world so i do feel that a lot of us are trying to learn as we go along and would be useful to yeah almost see yourselves as educating founders as well as they go along because i think people assume that founders just because you very good in the niche that you are that you suddenly can do all this other business stuff that goes with it but a lot of founders are learning the business steps as they go so I think that you guys establishing yourselves as like an educator as well would be cool yeah I'm, I'm definitely learning as I'm going education is a core part of what we do to acquire new users but we could definitely do more to educate our existing users thank you very much
have a for that, that very unique response around the bios contracts, we will add it to our roadmap. Thank you. And, and thank you very much for sharing about NOM and, and best of luck with the rest of your beta rollout and UK thank expansion. You. Yeah, you as well. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye.